You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Um, well, good morning, everybody. I just want to say y'all are the real ones. Daylight savings time on at this end of the daylight savings time spectrum, y'all are the real ones. Thank you for being here and not sleeping in. Man, so glad you chose to be in community today because we're, we're this, uh, this, this, this building isn't the church you are. The, we are together. We're the church. Um, and so uh, I'm so glad that you're here uh, this morning. And Danielle basically stole my message. So um, yeah, so we, I think we can go home now. And no. All right, I'll, 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 um, I'll say a couple things. But um, man, no, so good. And it amazes me continually. I know we've said it before, but it amazes me how the Lord orchestrates uh, what's shared during the sharing time and what's shared during the message. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. But um, uh, how many of you guys are binge watchers? Okay, so give me a couple of your your binging shows. Becca, what's your binging show? Huh? Money Heist? Okay. I was expecting Gilmore Girls, but... All right, all right. What, who else? Who else has a binging show? Anybody? Yeah. Amazing Race. Amazing Race. Great one, great one. Who, I saw a hand back there. Dan. All right. Just give me one. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Hey. What is it? Forged in fire. That's where they make axes and swords and stuff, right? Okay. That's cool. That's cool. My wife and I just recently tapped into this show um, called Alone. Anybody ever heard of it before? And so we're in, we're in like this. We just finished, wrapped up the second season of the show, and and it's uh, it's pretty interesting. The first, like I deal with. Uh, anxiety, you know, I don't know if anybody else in here has any experience with anxiety. I'm, oh, I'm sure you do. Um, but uh, man, so the first episode, I was a ball of nerves, like just, oh my gosh. So the premise of this show is that they, they send 10 people out into the wilderness. It's like a real life, less fake survivor, but you're alone. You don't have people around you. So they dump you off in this place. Um, the, the first couple of seasons were in Canada, in the Vancouver Islands, right? And, um, you know, they dump you off uh, into uh, the, the deep, deep wilderness where there are bears, cougars, wolves, and, like, you know, heavy rain and heavy winter. You know, you're in Canada, and, and basically you are trying to outlast the other people. Uh, and so the first, well, I won't tell you anything else, but um, in case you want to watch it. But, but I will say this about the show is that as I've watched it, there's a common theme about the people who talk about it afterwards, and it's that they have to live day to day. They have to take it one day at a time. And so like... Uh, that, 
I, I, I always go early to get coffee uh, before church. Um, and uh, I said, the guy asked me how I'm doing. He's a friend of mine. And I'm like, you know, I'm okay hanging in there, taking it day to day. You know, who's ever said that, right? I think Paul said that to me this morning, right? My boy, Paul. Thanks for filling in on base today, bud. Paul's an, Paul's an extended uh, member of the family. Can we thank Paul? Um, but uh, yeah, I said, hey, Paul, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. How, how you been? And he's like, okay, you know, taking it day to day. And I was like, I literally just said that to the coffee guy. Like, like day to day, day to day, right? We're taking it one day at a time. But on this show, it's literally like, if you don't, if you don't go out and get food, you don't eat. Like, there's not a stockpile of food. Like, if you don't boil water, you don't drink water. Like, these people are literally living day to day. And it's such an interesting picture um, for us as believers. Um, and, and there's this interest, there's this really good quote that I love. Um, and uh, I've used it a few times. So, if, you've, if, if this is a rerun for you, I'm sorry, but um, not really. Um, I just, I'm used to saying I'm sorry. Um, uh, so this quote, it, it's one of my favorites. And so it goes like this. Can we put it up there, James? It goes like this. Yesterday is history, right? Tomorrow's a mystery. Today is a gift, which is why we call it the present. Boom, right? Boom. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. Now, I did some research into actually who wrote this, and it's either, this is what I've decided, okay? It's either Bill, Bill Keen, who was a family circle cartoonist forever, um, or Eleanor Roosevelt, <laughs> or Kung Fu Panda, one of those three. One of those three said it. I don't know which, but I wanted to give whoever it was credit. So yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today is a gift, which is why we call it the present. And we've been in this series right now uh, for the last several weeks making space, as Danielle referenced. And, and uh, we've been making space uh, to be in relationship and to commune with God, whether that be in times of silence or whether that be in times of prayer or, you know, and, and one thing when we, when we talk about prayer, um, lots of times, you know, us church pastory people, like, we'll talk about quiet time all the time, like you, like you have to have a special chair and you journal and, you know, and like sit there for an hour and just meditate or whatever. But that's not for everybody, right? Like not everybody's going to sit there and do that. Not everybody is in the space of life where they can do that, right? And so uh, I, like I want to just take a moment and encourage you, whatever prayer looks like, whatever your space of prayer, whether it's on your run, you know, or whether it's you're walking the dog or what, if you're like antsy and you need to be active to focus, go, be, go do something, but just do it with God, right? That's making space. You know, when we make space, we want to, we, we're, we're talking not about addition, we're talking about subtraction, right? We're talking about subtraction in our lives, right? We're not talking about 
adding times of prayer into our already busy life. We're talking about making space for God to, our relationship to God to inhabit all the areas of our lives, right? Looking upon our day-to-day, like there's this, I did not plan on saying this, so I'm scared about what I'm about to say, but <laughs> there's this, uh, there's this uh, monk, Brother Lawrence, uh, who's a f- famous, wrote a famous book uh, called Practicing the Presence of God, and it's a little short thing. You can read it in like an hour, and, and like one of his main points throughout that book is like, you know, practicing the presence of God to me is that, you know, he worked in the kitchen. And here he is, this this person who's impacted generations of Christians. He's a monk who worked in the kitchen, but yet he had the intuitiveness to know that I can work in this kitchen and I can be with God. You know what I mean? And so when we're talking about making space, we're not talking about adding these things We're talking about subtracting uh, things and simplifying and inviting God into our own lives. And for me, my quiet time is very important to me, but that may not work for you. Here are the three things that I want you to take away from this series, and we have one more week after this in this series before we're going to close it out. Ricardo is going to close it out next week. But if, if, if you heard... Uh, I hope you heard a lot in this series, but I want, if you're now experiencing and ex, uh, not experiencing, experimenting with different avenues of prayer than you have before, good. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're doing that. And, and I want you to remember this just keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Keep it real. Keep, wait, what? What did I say? <laughs> keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Try. Find what works for you with your relationship with being with God. And, and you don't even always have to be pouring your heart out. Um, you know, there, there's plenty of space to be silent before God. Like, there's, you know... Uh, I'm preaching a whole another message now. Sorry, um, but uh, we've but we've been in this series, and the, for the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been breaking down the Lord's Prayer. I and this uh, this came out of a period of reflecting. We just hit ten years as the mission back in February, which is worth a woohoo. Thank you, and um, and. Uh, we just hit 10 years, and I started thinking about, I started reflecting on the last 10 years and, th- and thinking like, and I felt God challenging me like, so, so like, those 10 years are over. They're history. What do you, what do you like, what, what's your dreams for the next 10 years? And, and, and I just felt God challenging me in that. And I'm like, God, no, I want, I want what your dreams are, you know, like the Christian, like put it back on God, you know. And, and I just felt him pushing me like, what, what are your dreams for the next 10 years? And, and one of the very first things that I came up with was I want this family to discover the power of prayer in its fullness. And that's why we've been going through this series is a, is a basic 
first few steps in how to pray, how to pray for other people, how to develop our prayer life and, and, our, and our making space to be with God, right? And that's, that's uh, you know, when somebody visits, you know, at our 20-year anniversary, when somebody visits and and leaves and says, yeah, I went to the mission, those people really sincerely believe in the power of prayer. Like, that's, that's what I want for, one of the things that I want for us in the next uh, 10 years. But, you know, particularly the last few Sundays, we've been um, making space to break down the Lord's Prayer. Um, each week, we've been taking a piece of it, breaking it down, and prayer is vital, obviously, to being a follower of Jesus. Uh, even the disciples took notice that making space for prayer um, with God was a crucial part of Jesus's day-to-day life. Like, making space to be with God and to pray was, was, was crucial to Jesus's day-to-day life. And, and eventually, they worked up the courage. You know, there was only like one thing that I can remember that they actually asked him to teach them, and it was how to pray. Lord, will you teach us how to pray? And so um, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, uh, this then is how you should pray. And let's, let's just all read this together. Uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And if you're like me and you want to add the bonus section, like... For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That's how I was raised to pray the Lord's Prayer. That part was actually added way later, um, you know, um, and so we're just looking at this specifically, but there, there's nothing wrong with continuing on and praying that prayer. It's, actually, it's absolutely sound, and, and so um, today we're going to focus on Matthew 6, and like I already said, Danielle stole, stole this message, so um, verse 11 and 12 of, this Lord's, of the Lord's Prayer says this, give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's the section we're going to focus on today, and here Jesus is encouraging us to ask for our daily bread. And notice it says daily bread, not 401k bread or cheddar, right? That, that, sorry, that was a bad joke. Um, it says daily bread. And, and, and like some of y'all, I think, are, are praying for your daily bread with Nutella on it or something. Like um, the, the, this word bread is meaningful because it represents so much more than yeast and flour and water. It represents so much more. This bread Jesus is speaking of is a word picture for all of our basic needs, for all of our basic needs. God delights in being our daily source of provision and helping us to develop a continuing conscious dependence on him, right? 
That's why he, Jesus encourages us to pray for our daily bread is because we, he, God loves being the source that we come to, and he uh, wants us to continue and develop this d- deep dependence on him because he is the most reliable and dependable thing we can rely on. And when you think about God as father, I was talking to um, Scooter over here um, on, uh, on, on, on text message and um, about this message, and, and he had a really great point. Um, he said, um, when you think about God as father and us as our children, like children who are cared for, they, they don't do meal planning. Right? Like, my wife is a meal planning champion, but, but, like, but, like, children who are cared for, who have parents that love them or, or uh, care for them, you know, they, they don't do meal planning. They just know that when it's time to eat, somebody's going to feed them. Right? And so, Matthew, later on in Matthew 6, it says this, Jesus says this, so, So don't worry about saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Can I get an amen? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Right? <laughs> right? I've, I've been telling myself for the last, last six months trying to convince my mind not to borrow trouble from tomorrow that I don't need today. Right? And, and here Jesus is saying that very thing. And, and what, he is, what he is really saying here is... Um, for uh, don't don't worry too much about these things. Pray to me for your daily bread, because I am the source of your every need. You know, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. God's just trying to get us to be in daily dependence on Him, right? And I don't I don't totally love to be daily dependent on anything. Anybody else feel like that sometimes? Like, I don't totally look like I want to know what my week is like ahead of time. That's why I have a calendar on my phone, right? I want to schedule these things. I like, I want to be in some form of control. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad in our, in our work life and, and you know, what, whatever, but, but there is a basic source of need within us that we need to be dependent on God for daily, daily, right? And uh, what God, what, what this passage seems, this line seems to be referencing daily bread comes out of Exodus and, and uh, you know, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt and, and the Lord partnered with Moses to free them, and, and uh, they led them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and into the wilderness, right? And, and uh, 
So Exodus 16, 4 and 5 says this. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, well, actually, let me preface by saying a, a couple weeks went by and the people of Israel were beginning to be hungry and starve, you know, and, and they were like starting to grumble. Who, who gets hangry? Who's a hangry person in here, right? Yeah, the, the people of Israel were starting to get hangry, right? And, uh, and so, the, so Moses, um, the Lord says to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day, for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whatever they will follow. In that way, this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So the sixth day they gather twice as much so that they don't have to gather on the seventh because rest is a gift from the Lord. On the Sabbath, we can celebrate the fact that we are not slaves who are endless workers, right? And toil and toil and toil. And later on in verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumblings of the hangry People of Israelite, the Israelites, tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And verse 35 sums it up and says this The Israelites ate manna for 40 years, 40 years, until they came to a land. That was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. The Lord provided for the Israelites daily in this way and encouraged them to gather up what was for today, right? And, 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 and what he was doing there was testing to see if they will daily rely upon him, if they will put their dependence on him. And I don't know about you, some, but me, for me, sometimes daily dependence is a hard thing, but I keep coming back to this passage. Uh, give us today our daily bread, Lord. Give me everything I need to make it through this day with my mind, heart, and soul intact and fixated upon you. Lord, give me everything I need. But similarly related is verse um, 12 of Matthew 6. Similarly, eating and other basic needs are not the only thing Jesus encourages us to deal with day by day. Right? Deuteronomy 8.3 said, He humbled you. He's talking about the Israelites. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feed, feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So give us today our daily bread, and what's next? 
Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, this word, that's the NIV translation. Some translations say sin. And that's, I personally like that phrasing better. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who've sinned against us. Um, because debts in a, in, a, in a Jewish culture meant sin. It meant sin. And so lots of times, um, lots of times in Jewish culture, you couldn't be forgiven of your own sins until you had forgiven the sins of your brother, right? And, and so we're, what we're talking about here is forgiveness. Forgiveness, um, our, our own forgiveness, coming to the Father, it doesn't work uh, with Jesus the way it did in Jewish culture. Like we can be forgiven and then forgive our, the people who've sinned against us. But there, there's two separate pieces to the forgiveness here. There's our own forgiveness and then there's the forgiveness of people who um, have sinned against us, right? And I don't, I mean, I don't know which one is harder. Sometimes it's hard to forgive my, to, to go to God and ask for forgiveness. Sometimes it's hard to go to God and confess what I did and, and how, um, and, and how, you know, I've, I know that I've done it a hundred times in the past and still have to come back and come back that daily dependence upon his forgiveness, right? And, and the amazing thing about God is that he always, his forgiveness and mercy is endless. And that's what Jesus bought on the cross, right? That's what Jesus paid for on the cross. And, and you know, in our, in our own lives, when we sit on our sin, things begin to take root like shame. And the longer we sit on it, the more it gives way to shame taking deeper and deeper root in our life. And then it becomes harder and harder because the voice of shame just gets louder and louder, right? To the point where, like, God's not going to forgive you for that. That's that voice of shame, right? But when we, but when we approach God, like a while back, we went through a prayer tool called the examine, and some people have made it a practice to pray through the examine um, you know, every night before bed where they kind of evaluate the day and confess their sins to God and ask for forgiveness. And, and I, I actually do that through Lectio 365, which is a, like, they need to sponsor us or something because like we talk about it all the time. But, but, but uh, I, you know, I, I've made it a practice at the end of the night to just reflect on my day and think about where I've messed up and where I need forgiveness and and because I don't want that, there's enough voices of shame in our culture that we don't need to add our own voice of shame as well. And so practicing asking God for forgiveness like regularly allows shame not to take root. And similarly, Forgiveness of others, when we've, be, when we've allowed, 
when we've asked God to forgive us and we've graciously accepted his mercy, you know, um, the next part of the Lord's prayer is forgive, forgive those who have sinned against us. And the thing that takes root in unforgiveness of others is bitterness. Bitterness. The longer we sit on unforgiveness of others, bitterness begins to grow and take root, and it will poison everything. Sometimes, you know, like I was with some friends, uh, other pastor friends. I, I've recently started going to um, some prayer gatherings of Redlands pastors, and there's really some amazing things going on in our city with, with, uh, with this group of pastors and their heart to unify the body of Christ within our city and within the surrounding cities, and it's been amazing. But I was praying with two of these pastors, and uh, one of them said... Um, they, they were praying, and they said, thank you for a person who had a role in all three of our lives that had been extremely painful and had caused deep wounds. You know, like, think of it as, like, a boss or something like that. Like, like uh, it wasn't the same person for all three of us, but more of, like, a role of a person, right? And these three like me and the other two pastors, we all have similar relationships to this person in this role. And he was saying, thank you for this person. Thank you for this person. Because, and when he said that, I like popped my head up out of prayer. Like, and I was just like, no, like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not thanking him for that person. That person like wounded me deeply, you know? And that and and I, in that moment I realized I still even though I've worked on it, I still have unforgiveness in my heart towards that person. And my pastor friend went on and he said, "Thank you for this person because they helped uh, they helped make us who we are today." And I was just like, I'm not ready for that, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I realized that I had a bitterness that had some roots in my heart. Yesterday was Mission Men's, uh, Mission Men at Olive Market, and we had a blast. It was so good, and Caleb shared this analogy. We were kind of talking about this similar thing, and he was talking about the weeds in his yard, and like somehow, you know, um, he, he said they weren't dandelions, but there's some kind of weed, and you mow over them, and they just come right back, right? Like you, like you think you're managing them by mowing them over, but they just come right back, and so by the time you actually are like fed up with mowing over these weeds, like you, you, you get down in there and you realize like this weed that you've mowed over like 12 times or whatever has this big root system. Like it's gone deep, right? And that is the same thing. It was a beautiful analogy. I wish I had come up with it. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. But it's just such a perfect picture of what unforgiveness of others does in our life. Now, I do want to be careful, though, and I'm going to say something kind of bold here, 
Um, I feel like, honestly, sometimes when we talk about daily forgiveness in, in, in the American church, uh, the American church hasn't dealt well with abusive situations, in my opinion. And that's just my opinion. You can have your own. I'm cool with it. But I feel like the American church has not done well with talking about abusive situations. And so I want to be real careful, and this may be bold, but I don't care. Um, if you're in an abusive situation, the first thing you need to do is, is get out and get to safety. The first thing you need to do is get out and get to safety if you're being abused. That is the number one priority for you right now. After that, God in his timing and with his resources like counseling and support groups and therapy or, or you know, whatever will help you find forgiveness and peace in your soul. But if you're in an abusive situation, I don't want you to hear me saying, you know, uh, you know, just stay put and forgive your abuser daily because that's not what I'm saying. I want, I want you to know that your first priority, if you're there, is to get to safety. And I want you to know that you can talk to me, you can talk to uh, any of the church leadership. We'll keep your situation, um, I want to say secure, but I don't Confidence. There we go. Yeah. And um, so I, I just, I really felt the need to share that. And um, so I hope that's not stepping over any line or anything like that. But if it is, I don't care. So um, <laughs> dealing with the roots of unforgiveness, whether it be asking for ourselves or asking God for, to help us forgive others, the gist is it needs to be a regular practice, just like asking God for our daily bread. Um, I want to I close with this. Sometimes it can be really hard to ask, for, to enter into any kind of headspace where we ask for forgiveness because God is God and, 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 you know, sometimes it's hard to think about God as Father. And in the Old Testament, before Jesus was even present on, on the earth, Isaiah 57, 15 says this. This, this, is, um, this is God sharing for this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. This is what God says right here. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Now, it would be real easy for me to just pass on by that word contrite, but I had to look it up. I'm just going to confess. I, I, didn't, I didn't exactly know the meaning of contrite, and I wanted to know. And the meaning of contrite is feeling or expressing remorse. 
So here, God is in the Old Testament saying, yes, I live in a high and holy place, but I also am with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. And I will revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite, the people who are feeling guilty, the people who are feeling remorse for what they've done. God promises that he will revive your spirit. And so give us today our daily bread. It's so much more than just yeast and flour and water. Because the bread of life came down from heaven to provide us access to be able to ask forgiveness of God for our sins. Jesus said, I am the bread of heaven or something. Life. I've read a lot of different translations, okay, people, this week. <laughs> I, I think uh, as the band comes, um, uh, I think one of the coolest examples that I found recently, um, uh, and we're in a month of celebrating women, which is an, an incredible thing because we have, I mean, just even in this family, we have some amazing, amazing women that God has gifted deeply and uh, I, was, I was listening to this thing about Harriet Tubman this week. And um, she, if you don't know who Harriet Tubman was, she was born in, in, into slavery in Maryland. And in 19, or, uh, 1849, Harriet escaped from Philadelphia. She escaped slavery and only to return to Maryland to rescue her family soon after, and she soon joined up a group of anti-slavery activists in safe houses known as the Underground Railroad, right? Slowly, one group at a time, she brought relatives with her out of the state and eventually guided dozens of other enslaved people to freedom traveling by night and under extreme secrecy because they were people literally hunting these human beings like they were animals, right? And her code name, get this, was Moses. Moses, the one who led the Israelites out of slavery. How, I mean, that just makes me want to cry. Her code name was Moses, and she never lost a passenger. She never lost. And this is what she said, because people would say to her all the time, like, you know, after it was all over, how did you get through that? How did you always know when the people were, were waiting for you? Or, you know, like, how did you do it, basically? And this is a quote from Harriet Tubman. She said this, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. I always told him, I trust you. I don't know where to go or what to do, but I expect you to lead me. And he always did. How good is that? How good is that? Give us today, Lord, our daily bread. Guide us and lead us today. 
Forgive us our sins today as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, lead us. I expect you to lead me, Lord. And I know that you will. That just inspires me. So today, I want you to... to, uh, Reflect on these messages about prayer that we've been going over. Um, if you've missed any of them, they're all on the podcast. And uh, I hope this has been encouraging to you guys. Ricardo is going to close this series out next week. But I would encourage you, again, just yet again, to um, experiment with, with, with your life. Make Make space in your life. Don't think addition, think subtraction. Like, invite God into things you're already doing. Like, and make space for prayer to be more than just a laundry list to God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this family. Lord, I trust that Anything that's solely of me that I've said this morning will just fall on deaf ears, Lord. But I, Lord, I hope that, God, I trust that what you have said will stick, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would begin as a community to discover the power of prayer, our, our, the power that is in communion with you, the power that is in relationship with you, Father, when we draw close to you, Lord. Lord, let us, let us begin to invite you into our daily lives and our meal prep, Lord, and in our uh, drive to work when we're stuck on the freeway, Lord. Let us begin to invite you into all the spaces where we go mindlessly, Lord, help us to begin to develop a total reliance upon you for our, not only our basic needs, but Lord, may we think about forgiveness as a daily need. Father, we love you. You're good, and you've always been good, and you will always be good. Have your way. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.